Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Head of Sports Science and Strength and Conditioning at Bristol City Football Club, Rhys Carr. Hi guys, welcome to episode 34 of the Pacing Performance Podcast. So today we've got Reese Carr on the phone from Bristol City. So me and Reese have been chatting over the last couple of weeks uh, regarding a couple of uh, rants on Twitter that, um, well, me more than him uh, had had. And I just thought it'd be great to get him on the podcast because his, his team Bristol City are doing so well in the league or have won the league now. Um, so I thought it'd be great to kind of get an insight into their culture um, that they've created in the club. So today we talk about um, building a culture um, in, in, a, in a league winning team, uh, working at a, a club without a Premier League budget, uh, some injury prevention strategies um, and the ability to talk coach to technical coaches because I know Reese has got um, up to his UA4A coaching badges um, so he's also a, obviously an accomplished coach as well. So just before we get on to the chat with, with Reese, I uh, just want to say that, again, that we've got a new um, website over at pacingperformance.co.uk. So if you jump over there, there's a couple of new pages and you can also sign up to the newsletter, which will go out every month and just give you a roundup of everything that's going on with the podcast uh, and everything else with regards to pace performance. So we'll get bombarded with, uh, with crap. So just jump over there and stick your email address in and I'll keep, keep you up to date with what's going on. Just like I did in the previous episode, I'd like to draw your attention to uh, the South Yorkshire Performance Seminar, which is going on the 1st of July at Sheffield United Academy. And we've got uh, Ross Burberry from Nottingham Forest, Luke Jenkinson from Sheffield United, and Paul Bauer from Barnsley. So I'll put the link on the the show notes, which can be found at paceyperformance.co.uk forward slash 34. So that's for the the episode with Reese. Got a couple of other little um, treats for you as well. So, Kia Wenham Flat has put together a, a forum, a paid forum, which is um, which is going to deliver a webinar every every month with different um, experts from around the world. So he did one just last weekend. So if you do want to sign up to that, Kia has kindly given you listeners a a discount. So I'll put that discount code on the on the show notes. And if you just put Pacey, so P-A-C-E-Y, when you sign up to Kier's, Kier's forum on his on his website, and that's rugbystrengthcoach.com forward slash members. But all that will be on the site as well. So another one, another little treat for you is Dave O'Sullivan, who runs Pro Sport Physiotherapy. Um, he's putting out a lot of great content. So if you are interested in getting anything from Dave, again, a discount code from Dave, um, with 10% off uh, everything that he's doing over there. If you put Pacey 10, so P-A-C-E-Y 10, number 10, um, on his website, that'll give you the discount. But again, I'll put that on the on the show notes. And here is the interview with Reese Carr. Hi guys, welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. 
today I've got Reese Carr coming from Bristol City Football Club on the phone. So first, I'd just like to welcome Reese and ask him to give us a bit of an intro on his background, his education and what he's currently doing. So welcome to the podcast, Reese. Thanks, mate. Thanks for the, um, the invitation to do this as well. Um, so just to give you a little bit of my background, really, um, I'm, I'm a, from a football background, um, played as a, as a kid, um, a, a decent standard, but probably wasn't as good as, as what I, I thought I was now looking back. Um, did, did okay. Um, and then when I got kind of released and didn't get professional forms, um, I, I kind of fell out of love with the game, if I'm com- completely honest, and went away from it and just worked in a, in a normal job, um, which was absolutely uh, horrendous, if, if I'm being completely honest. I hated it um, and thought, I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. So then decided, well, what am I passionate about? And I thought, well, I like to, I like to, to coach and, and I love, love my sport. I love my football and, and I'm, I'm very interested in the fitness and the strength and conditioning side of that. So, so decided to go back to university, got my, my degree, my master's in uh, coaching science and then got a few uh, coaching qualifications alongside that as well. Um, started getting my practical experience then with an internship at Swansea City a few years back, um, which was was brilliant for me, um, just for, for how I learn personally. I found that being in the environment and, and learning how things work day to day was a lot more valuable for me than than a, than a textbook. And that's not to, to say that you, I haven't done a lot of reading on certain things as well, but I just found that the day to day being in and around the place and how the things work and how do people apply their, their knowledge uh, was brilliant. Um, so went from there to, to Cardiff City, uh, which is where I'm from, um, was there for a few years. And then that was with the academy. Well, first of all, with the first team and, and then the academy. And uh, now I'm with the, uh, the first team at Bristol City. Cool. So how long did you say you've been at Bristol? Um, I started here uh, October 2013, so not not quite at the start of last season, but but enough time now, yeah. Okay, so you mentioned the kind of um, this, you know, what happens in football, the kind of environment. Mm-hmm. How hard do you think it? How hard do you think it would be for someone not in football to come into that football environment? Um, I, you know, with, with how it is. I mean, we all hit, you know. People, you know, people aren't used to what it's like in football. This is what this is what we do in football. Is is that is it a kind of a hard environment to to adapt to? I think that it, it totally depends which which football club that you're at. I mean, obviously, different different personality, different football clubs have, are open to different approaches. But um, I certainly think that that a game understanding helps because I would be the first to say if I was to go and and work in in another sport, um, even though. A human body is a human body, and, and how we train it would be similar principles. Um, my lack of game understanding might, well, it would it, it would hold me back. Um, however, in saying that, um, I've I've met several uh, and worked with several people who wouldn't describe themselves as as football people, as as you know, strength and conditioners, as as physiotherapists, as, as rehab coach. Um, who have been brilliant? Who have been who have been really you know good and passionate about about their job? I think I think the first and foremost thing that anyone needs to see, whether you're in football and I imagine it's a, in any sport, as long as someone's very passionate and, and willing to, to work hard and they can back that up with a bit of knowledge, um, as well as being good with people, players, uh, other staff, you know sometimes we're managing up with people in the board and executives, people like that, then 
that that's that that's what you need really is just that that passion to want to want to do well and and improve yourself and do a good job really mm-hmm. so from my point of view the the kind of communication with players and be able to relate to them not just talking about what goes on in the gym or what goes on the, on the field but actually just relating to them as people mm-hmm. from your experience and and what you think how 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 uh, important is that in your role I think it's I think it's critical. Um, I think that when you work with any players, there's there's a saying that I'm not sure how many people would say it in other sports, but the players have to be having you for want for want of a better term. Yeah. If they don't, um, you could have the best ideas, you could have the right knowledge to be able to help them and improve them. But if they're not having you, then then they're not going to implement the things that you're trying to help them with. Um, and I think that's that's really key. I mean. But how you do that? There's no blanket recipe in terms of well, I have this same approach with everybody else. You know, it's it's the same with anything. Whether you're you're managing a group of of footballers or you're managing a group of people in an office, everybody's different, and how you get the the best response from them comes down to to, to you then and your own kind of coaching skills, really. Which which then comes back to why I think some of the applied experience is key, and and not only looking at people and what they do with players, but well, why did you take that approach with him, whereas you did a different approach with with somebody else so so yeah i think um it's critical cool so this may go out well this will go out um past this so you could have been you could have had your drink and and got um got a bit larry you know three weeks ago um but so you could you could win the league tonight if um if port vale do the job against against preston preston so you could have won the league hopefully you have won the league by the time it goes out but we talk about the culture that's been created at Bristol. Obviously, the top of the league and competing at the top of the league for probably all season. Talking about what you just discussed there with being able to manage people, is that been a part of the kind of winning culture that you've created or your staff, you and your staff have created uh, at Bristol? I think um, I, I wouldn't ever want to sit here and say that any, any culture is down to myself. I think that, you know, everyone's worked really hard um, and, and it's, it's, it's been, that's been really key as well. Is, is everyone's kind of singing from the same song sheet? Um, not only is is the the manager a really driven man, and you know he makes sure that people don't lose focus, which is both players and staff. Um, there's a good, experienced and passionate staff here that want to do well. Um, but then I think credit's got to go to the to some of the players as well. Um, we've, we're quite lucky that we've got a, a good bunch of players here, a really good group of lads who. Who want to do well? Um, it's, it's quite a young group as well, which I think that helps. Um, and even then, the, the more experienced players that we do have um, are fantastic pros, really good pros. So you know they lead by example, and then some of the younger players as well that are in their kind of early twenties, they they've kind of bought into everything we've done. And, and I think a little bit of, of success helps. I mean, obviously we've we have had a a good year, uh, fortunately, and and we've started well and we've maintained that. And I think that when you when you start well, well, if people aren't buying into your ideas for the first couple of weeks, where they're just going along with them, then they start seeing a little bit of proof in the pudding, and then your your, your culture's kind of made. Then and I guess then it's just it's maintaining it and, and keeping it up. So when when you're coming in, you might be feeling tired because of things going on in in other other realms. You know, like the little one might have kept you up overnight and things, but you've got to be seen to be the same and and consistent because otherwise other people will cut corners as well. So it's just maintaining it and keeping on, on top of people, really not in a overly forceful way, but just in a professional way, you know, we're, we're professional when we're paid to do 
a good job here and, and that's that's what we try and do but everyone's been involved in that here so it's been been really good on that front mm-hmm. so how do you kind of create that togetherness within the staff uh, obviously up to the manager and down to the kind of the kit people the the girls or guys that may cook the food do you have um, like weekly meetings monthly meetings do you kind of do it ad hoc is it on a monday morning how do you create that kind of togetherness as a staff well, we spend a lot of time on the bus traveling up and down the country, so nice. we definitely we definitely get a lot of time to chat there and in in hotels. So we've we've lived in each other's pockets for ten months, so uh, we we definitely know each other quite well, and it gives us a lot of chance to to communicate things within each other. But but yeah, um, whether it's long term planning and or, or you know, kind of shorter term micro planning for that particular day, yeah, the, the communication's key. Um, and again, we've, we're quite fortunate that. That, that we've had that this year um, it, it, and that's like I say it's come from the top with, with the manager and then all the staff have implemented the things that the management have wanted but you know taking on the advice of the, the people who are expert in their field really so you know whether it be the, the physio side the coaching the, the fitness every, everyone's kind of pulled their weight together and yeah the, the communication is key and there is constant communication between everyone really. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned physios there it was something that that's come up quite a quite a number of times in the kind of um, the relationship between the kind of sports science side and the physiotherapy side. Mm-hmm. How's that work for you guys down there? It's been, um, it's been great. I mean, we've got a, a really experienced uh, physio here who's, he's been in the game a long time. Um, and that's not to say that his, his ideas are old, but it, it means that in terms of implementing things and dealing with players, he's been there and he's seen it and, and he's, he's fantastic for me to be able to bounce ideas off um someone who who obviously i'm a, a bit younger um so so i can bounce ideas off that i think well what do you think about you know bringing this in or doing x y or z um so yeah absolutely the, the overlap is huge and we, we share an office here um so you know we're, we're just across the way um so so communications again it's constant it's always there and yeah there is there is quite a big overlap i would think between the two of us yeah cool just moving on a little bit to, I mean, obviously I'm speaking to you when you're in uh, League One at the minute, obviously hopefully championship. Um, we're, we're not talking about Premier League budgets. We're not talking about, you know, millions and millions of pounds sports science budgets. How are you making the, the most of your resources that you've got, that you've kind of inherited probably? Um, it's a good question. Um, I wouldn't by any means say that we're a, we're a poor football club. I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're quite fortunate um, where we are financially. We've got a fantastic owner um, who's, who's really, really supportive. Um, I think you've just got to decide what's, what's important. Um, and, and I see loads of, you know, kind of gimmicky things that, that people can use in their, in their gym set settings or down on their training pitches. And, and sometimes some of the basic stuff, the the stair is is good anyway. If you, if you do that properly and you present it well and and you you educate your players on on why you're doing certain things and what helps them, you don't necessarily need the the money uh, to to implement all these things. Um, I think there's some brilliant stuff that you know we use ice baths occasionally. I mean they don't they don't cost much. Which sometimes we've used wheelie bins and filled them up with cold water and thrown a bit of ice in there. You know you, you don't need money to do that. Foam rollers they don't cost much money. That's they're fantastic for recovery. 
um, just certain stretching. You know, we, we've been fortunate. We've been supported by um, PAS. That's a little plug for them, Pro Athlete Supplements. And, you know, they, they've helped us as well along the way in terms of nutritional side of things. Um, which has come from personal relationships that have been built with that company. So they, they, they've they been great with us. So I don't think you need, you know, to throw millions and millions at it. Now, don't get me wrong. If if I was in a, you know, a Premier League club with top budgets like that and you're working with the world's best players and you're looking for anything that can help their performance in any way, shape or form and you're, you're financially back to do that, well, then, well then yeah, you, you know, you might, you might try different things. Um We've just stuck to, to some of the basics that, that people have, have used, uh, tried, tested, and, and you know, touch wood, it, it's worked okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, there's plenty out there that you can splash your cash on on monitoring, mm-hmm. uh, monitoring training on the pitch, in the gym. Obviously, you can go mad with, um, you can obviously endless amounts of money. But what kind of techniques are you using to, that maybe you don't have that, them kind of systems in place, but an alternative that's worked for you? Is this for training monitoring? Yeah, training now? monitoring, yeah. mate, yeah. Um, well, we, we do have the GPS here. Okay. Uh, we, we've got GPS, um, which we was one of the first things that I wanted to bring in when I got here. Um, we did have a, an old battered heart rate system, um, which I wasn't overly convinced some of the, the data that was coming back off that was was particularly correct. Um, but we, we persisted with it for a little amount of time. But then when the new manager came in, um it was one of the first kind of conversations that that we had and and to be to be fair and and, I, and i've thanked him in the past for it but i think bringing in the, the gps has been absolutely helpful i mean it it's made our heart rate data consistent but then it's also given us several other metrics that we look at um we've got a couple of staff within my department here as well who were always scrutinizing that that data always looking for for new trends and 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 different bits and pieces there and and i think that's been fantastic for us um, but then on the, the other scale of things, we just do simple questionnaires sometimes and just ask, ask the players how they are. You know, how, how sore are you today? How well did you sleep the other night? And, and that can give us an idea of where people are as well. Um, so from, from, yeah, so from one end of having the GPS, which is obviously some of the top end spec, to, to some, basically just sometimes just asking someone how they are rather than trying to draw through data. Are you okay? How do you feel today? How did you sleep? Um, how sore do you feel? You know, you complained about your hamstring last week. How was it after the game? Um, and you can gauge people a little bit like that as well, as long as you know your players, you know, definitely. You, you can do that as well. And generating a chat, generating a talk, how are you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're humans as well. Um, they're, they're human beings, these, these professional footballers. and, and they're, Some are. Yeah, of, yeah. There's there's some that uh, that uh, that aren't, but we we've got some you know really really good set of lads here. Um, and, and number one for me, you know, you want to do well and you want to do well on the pitch, but you want to do it with good people as well, because because you remember that and and they give you good fun memories. So if we can look after our players, you know, number one as footballers, so it helps you know their performance and it it does our job right and it gets good results for the football club. Great, but then if we can also look after them as as people, I think they appreciate that. And then when they've got to run a few extra meters in, in a game, or they've got to do a bit of a longer recovery run in the 93rd minute to, to keep your, your one nil lead and things like that, then, then they do it because they respect the people around them. There are the players, there are the staff. So yeah, I think just treating people like human beings sometimes it can be just as good as some of the high tech monitoring out there. Mm-hmm. Cool. So just moving on again, um, injury prevention strategies. There's been quite a lot of talk on, um, Nordics recently with 
the talk that went on at Leicester a couple of weeks ago, um, things coming out of there. What are your um, thoughts on kind of injury prevention strategies that you're using that has worked for you um, and, and your thoughts on the, the kind of Nordic um, debate? We, we've, well, firstly, we, well, I mean, with the Nordics, we, we've used them. Uh, I've, yep. used, I've used them in the past with uh, different clubs that I've been at um, and I've implemented them here. Um, myself and uh, my, my assistant, who's a really good, good coach here, Derek Bonsu, um, who's come from a, primarily from a rugby background, but he's come into us now and he's done really great this year. We, we often have this conversation about when's the right time to do Nordics and, and we've had that a couple of times. Should it be at the end of the session when they're warm? Um, but then you've got the, the conundrum of, well, you know, if it was a certain session, there might be little micro tears through metal, so you don't want the, to make them any worse. Should we do it before as part of an activation? And um, I don't think that we've come up with what we think is the right idea yet but what i do know is that touch wood so far this season that the injury prevention work that we've done has, has stood us in good stead we, we've we've been all right in terms of injuries and and our availability data in terms of training and matches is really high so so how we certainly with the nordics is we we did more of them towards the front end of the season um towards this back end of the season certainly when there's a, a high volume of games um we we don't we, we just look at we just look at recovery and regeneration strategies then really to get people ready to go again because Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday with a certain intensities that, that we want to play at it is gruelling. So I think then to do Nordics within a programme as congested as that, you might be asking for trouble. But but during the start of the year, um, in terms of injury prevention, yeah, we use them. Uh, when we had clear weeks, we would use them during activation sessions. So towards the back end of activation when when people were a little bit more flexible and a bit warmer and, and, and like I say, touch words, um, they, they've, we've been all right with them. We, I don't, I think we've had one hamstring strain this year. Um, sorry, two. So over the course of a season, you know, I'd probably take that if I could have that for the rest of, you know, my working career in football anyway. Mm-hmm. Do you just want to talk, talk through the act, what you call activation, just mm-hmm. doing the kind of things that are involved in that, that little period of time that you have with the players before training? Yeah. Um, well, the way that I like to do it is is I'll, I kind of work backwards from the warm-up and what day of the week that we're on. So um, I'm, I'm quite a big fan of tactical periodisation um, within, a, within a football week. And, and certainly how I'll structure the, the warm-up for that day will have a certain conditioning theme. Um, now, depending on what day that we're on then as well, will also affect the, the activation programme that we're going to do. Um, so without giving you know everything away, we we of course. on on certain days you know without without question will be more recovery, flexibility, mobility. Certain other days will be plyometric work. Other days will be injury prevention work, and then some days we mightn't do any because we want to keep the volume of that day day low in preparation for you know forthcoming games and stuff. So so we we know uh, coming into work with myself, Dal, my assistant, and and the other staff here. We know that right today is match day minus three. We know that this is going to be our type of activation day today, and and that's how we tend to structure it. Mm-hmm. So, so do all the players go off the same um, same structure, or do certain players have different things to do? Yeah, certain ones have, have certain different things um, depending on what day it is, and I guess it's their injury history that that dictates that. Uh, for us some will just um, literally get on the bike and just get their legs moving um, but then some do do more specific things so th- we've got a few ideas in how we want to develop that I think and make individualize it again even more going forwards but but generally um, yeah we, we how we structure it we'll have two groups in the morning um, 
because of logistics, size of areas and things like that available. And then we'll, we'll switch them around. So we try to cover every every player with everything each day, really. So do, they, do the players themselves have an input on, on the kind of thing they do pre-training um, in that session? Or is it, you know, you're in that group, you're in that group? Yeah, gen- generally, yeah, you're okay. in that group, you're in that group. But then at the same time, um, if a player was coming to me every single day saying, I don't want to... Um, or not I don't want to I don't really what the best way to say it is but if they felt something else would, would work better for them and, and I could see a bit of logic in what they were saying I, I'm not against thinking okay well you know let's let's try that um, I might if I was dead against it and I could see the reasons why that wouldn't be good for them I'd have the conversation with them and I'd, and I'd try and educate them as to why this other way would benefit them more um, but I think psychology's got quite a big part to play um, in the game as well and I think sometimes if the player is is getting what they feel they need, then then that can have quite a beneficial effect as well. Of course. So just moving on again, um, dealing with players uh, are different groups of players, different training ages. Um, you've got Ed and Flint down there, the centre-back. Yeah, yeah, we do, yeah. Okay, so um, just a little off note, I used to play with him um, back, okay. in non, back in his, from his non-league days. Yeah. Know, which seems a long time ago. But then if you've got um but you've got obviously your older pros, you've got your younger guys coming potentially from non league, um, maybe not having the the kind of upbringing that the older guys may have had who are maybe dropping down the leagues while rather than Aiden coming up. Mm-hmm. How are you dealing with kind of in a gym setting, how are you dealing with them kind of different groups? Um, are you kind of very individualized what you do with each player, depending mm-hmm. on their kind of experience? Or are you kind of um, giving everyone kind of similar similar things. Yeah, we'll we'll tend to individualise it. Um, I think that's that's what you've got to do for the exact reasons that you've just said there. Yeah. Um, and but we don't individualise it to the point that say we've got twenty players in the gym that day during pre-season. There are twenty different programs out there. How how we'll tend to work it is we'll we'll split them up into smaller groups. Um, at different workstations with with different programs to work that way. Um, so that that's how we we tend to work that, and and I think logistically as well, given our size of area and facility as well, that that is what works best for us. Um, grouping people that have got whether it be similar training ages or similar kind of one RMs for certain exercises that we're doing that particular day, whether it, or whether we've got a group that we want to work on strength, a group on hypertrophy, so on and so forth. So so yeah, so it'll be. To, 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 the, to their eyes that might be trained in kind of strength conditioning or sports science, they might see it as a similar kind of session as the guy next to them um, or the guy in the group over there. But there is different, you know, aspects to it depending on what their individual needs are, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you, you mentioned it a little bit ago about kind of the, the interaction with the players and the being able to relate to them. How, how important is it to be able to kind of talk their language and... Not you know if there's a question why we're we doing this, mm-hmm. not being able to go off on you know your MSc in sports science, but actually talk to them about this is why we're doing it on their level. How important is that? Yeah, uh, that that's where I think the the, the game knowledge comes in because I, and certainly I've found that that with certain players, um, I mean you, they they'll generally like I say we've got a very group here and they're very good group sorry here and they they would understand if we were to explain to them why they're doing it for X, Y, Z. But I think if you can put that into terms of why specifically that will help their game in this certain game scenario, well, then they can build that picture. And, and there's no player that doesn't want to be, be be better. I mean, for me, I don't think... I mean, a lot of people might 
show that attitude sometimes and I've seen players at different other clubs and stuff and they kind of look like they, they're not bothered or they don't want to be better but I think that when it actually comes down to it 99.9% of them want to be able to perform and people enjoy winning and people enjoy playing well on a Saturday afternoon in front of however many thousand people so if you can put it in their language and give them the picture of why this will help their game well then yeah certainly that, that gives you that, that buy-in mm-hmm. And another thing you touched on earlier was right at the start was your coaching qualifications. Yeah. So you've got UEFA, is that right? Are you towards UEFA? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm finishing up um, part of the UEFA now. Yeah, then the excuse me, the AU license with the Welsh FA, and then hoping to get onto the senior one soon. Yeah. Okay. So what what was the reason behind that? What was the reason behind kind of marrying the two together? Um, well, firstly, I mean, I that's, that was my interest. If, if I'm perfectly honest, um, was always the the sport of football got me into doing this particular job. Um, so my interest, first of all, as a, as a kid growing up, was always in football. Um, so that's why I wanted to do that. But then I also thought that you know if this this might not sit right with with everyone, but I think that if you go into program and and train people to be fit for a purpose, the better knowledge you've got of what that purpose is, then the better you can train them to be, if that makes sense. If I, if I, does that come across? Yeah, right? yeah, it makes sense. Um, so, so that's why. Um, and there's there's a few people that I kind of look at in the game as well that, that work at a few different top clubs who I've either had the pleasure to meet or, or work with or seen their work. And I think certainly some of the best winners do, do possess that uh, game knowledge, game understanding and their coaching qualifications as well. Um, I think that Ryla Morgans, who was the fitness coach when I did my internship at Swansea City um, is one of the best I've seen and worked with um, and I think that his his game understanding um, certainly gets him a buy-in from the players um, and, and to me straight away I looked to that and thought well, well yeah absolutely you know why wouldn't you understand the game that you're trying to train people to be fit enough for um, so to me it was a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. So, so on the flip side of that would it be just as beneficial for a coach to have the sports science background? At, at this level of the game, maybe not. Okay. Um, and the reason why I answer that is got you. <laughs> opposite to what I've just said is, yeah, because you employ people to do that. Um, I think that, that certainly the coaching side of things and that the workload that the manager and the assistant coaches have got, that, that is that is why we're here. Um, you know, the certain, some of the technical and tactical preparation that goes into their working week Um you know, if you had to say to them about programming and managing individuals and the whole performance side of things as well, that that would just make things difficult for them. So, but I think a lot of coaches that I've worked with certainly have got an understanding. Absolutely, they have because you know it, it comes part and parcel of it. And, and a lot of the, the coaches that you work with are ex-players, so they'll have done the things in the gym and on the pitches, and they'll have probably asked their fitness coaches questions about why we're we doing this. So, it's so. When you're in the game for however many years that some of the coaches have been, you pick things up anyway. So, so I think that they, they've got a good experience, but then they also have the people alongside them to to kind of strengthen that as well. Mm-hmm. Do you ever see yourself moving into coaching? You know, as as a as a full time role, or is it always going to be S and C sports um, science, whatever you want to call it? I don't know. Is is the honest answer to that? I mean, like I say, the the, the sport was what got me interested, and I'm. And I'm quite a big believer. When, when I do a lot of my work in terms of the, the conditioning, I, I, a lot of it I do pitch-based. Um, 
that there is a lot of gym, gym work that goes on here and certainly the recovery stuff that we'll do alongside it as well, that you have to have your sports science, your strength and conditioning head on then. Um, but then I also think there is a lot that you can do on the grass and, and that is a part of my job that I definitely do enjoy. Um, I, I love being out on the grass um, with your boots on and, and, and involved in, in the coaching session. And, and like I said earlier on, the how we kind of structure our training days when they come to the warm-up with myself, that will always be um, structured depending on what conditioning day and what element that we're looking to train on that day, be it be it speed, be it reaction speed or, or football strength. But then, so those kind of physical aspects of the warm-up will be in there. But then I'll also be looking to marry that up with what the coaches and the managers are looking to do within their, their session from a technical point of view that day. So if they're going into, I don't know, different possessions or cross and finishing, I'll, I'll try and replicate and prepare people as best as I can for that session, incorporating the ball work in the warm-up, but around a, a physical framework. Mm-hmm. Just remembered something that I was going to ask you, just reverse in 10 minutes. Yeah. Tat- tactical periodization. just want to give us a little bit of a, an intro on tactical periodization, how it, how it kind of functions and how it dictates what you do during the week. Yeah, well, it's it's each day's got a certain certain theme basically, and I'm sure a lot of people that that are listening to this would have come across it, especially those that are the more kind of football based people. Um, so so depending on if your week is a, what we call a clear week, i.e. Saturday to Saturday, or if you've got a week which is Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, which it seems like we've had a million of this season. <laughs> um, so obviously, on certain certain days within that so probably clear clear week. Uh, you would have recovery sessions. You would have days that were more larger areas um, and bigger, bigger sided games within that, or, or bigger sided possessions, bigger, bigger area crossing and finishing. Whatever te- technical and tactical framework you want to get in, but around a certain physical um, criteria, i.e., size of areas, work to rest ratios. So, like I say, you might be working on an aerobic day. You might be working on a on a strength day where there's lots of um, accelerations, decelerations. So a lot of eccentric work going through hamstrings and things like that um looking at speed days where players can open their legs again size of areas will help them with that trying to get them to reach top speeds and certainly within your warm-up you can probably do a little bit more plyometric work and change of direction work within that which would incorporate speed um and then also reactive speed which is what we would tend to do the, the day before a game so we just switches people on mentally but the the, the the volume of work is very low the intensity is there but the volume is very low so that would be a kind of very quick overview of a clear week. Whereas Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, um, from a physical point of view, you're, you're individually managing. So players that might not have been involved in the, in the game on that weekend might need additional physical top-ups during their training session, whereas the others are just getting recovery work and, and tactical prep then for, for the next one, which is never more than 72, 40 hours away. Mm-hmm. Cool. Just didn't want to let that go before I... Uh... Before I let you go, um, just one last thing. I know we discussed it um, a little bit off air, but just without going into too much detail and stepping on too many people's toes, the the state of S and C at the minute um, in the UK. How do you see things kind of moving forward for the industry? Um, I think that I mean I'm I'm answering this question now, and and, and I've you know I've only got a few years myself working in in, in professional sport um, and there's a lot of people out there that have got 20 30 years to their name already so um, but I think that it's in a I think it's in a good place I mean you've only got to look at the amount of people that are coming out of universities and, and whatnot now with strength conditioning sports science degrees or coaching science degrees and you know the kind of the pool of people 
that are able to work in the environment now is huge. It's 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 an enormous amount. I mean, we we advertised for for an internship last summer um, for a paid internship at the football club. We had two hundred and fifty applications. Um, it, it's it's frightening that people want to work in there, and I think that what that does do um, is it drives the standards up. I mean, I remember not so long ago being in in that position, you know, doing internships, and and certainly myself, I felt like I had to work even harder and gain even more knowledge and and push myself and to try and further myself to stand out to get a job. So because of that ultra competitiveness that is out there, certainly amongst the people that are coming through universities now. I think it is driving standards up, but then there is also a place, and I'm talking from experience for the the more experienced coaches that are around, because like I say, that applied knowledge of dealing with players and being in the environment day in, day out, and and how to approach things that when you come into work the day after a win might be different to how you approach things the day after a loss, uh, and that experience is invaluable as well. So certainly the standards of SNC, I think, will get higher because people have to be to a high standard to get you know these ultra competitive jobs that are out there um, and have to be really passionate about doing that but then then yeah the, the experience as well of some of the the people that have been in in the game so to speak a little bit longer that's that's also critical as well so I think in in a few years time when those kind of younger generations have got their applied experience as well we'll be seeing even bigger and better things I mean the stats don't lie the, the games and the sports are getting quicker they're getting more physical more dynamic more explosive and, and people are having to do things people professional players bodies are having to do things that they didn't have to do 10 or 15 years ago so to keep up with that so does the knowledge base behind the people that are trying to condition them to be able to perform at those levels so yeah it's, it's getting better and I think it'll only continue to do so mm-hmm. and you've been to the as we talked about before the um, Seattle Sounders sports science weekend a couple of years back yeah just from, from what was going on there how does it compare to what you've, you've seen in the UK in terms of conferences no, in terms of the, the work that they're doing with their guys over there compared okay. to the, the work that they're doing. Obviously, you guys or your team are doing over here. Yeah. Um, well, I was I was fortunate enough, like you say, yeah, Dave Tenney um, invited us over there to go to the Seattle conference a couple of years ago. And, and Dave is someone, you know, I keep in touch with Dave now because he's, he's someone who I respect a lot. I think Dave is quite similar in certain ways to myself that he's got his his football background and his kind of coaching qualifications as well but Dave he amazes me he, he leaves no stone absolutely no stone unturned with some of the stuff that he does at the Seattle Sounders um, and he's got a really strong team there um, you know Chad the stuff that Ravi does with numbers is phenomenal um, which helps them over there as well but I think when you've got a, as good a group as that you know their success is proven on the pitch um, they the, the way that they're willing to, to share those trade secrets, I guess, and are so open um, is fantastic. Cool. I agree. I'm hoping to uh, reap the rewards that you did. Yeah, no, it, it, it was a really, really good weekend. And I thought that some of the, the other coaches over there, um, certainly the American coaches, they're different to British coaches. They're absolutely, I find that I, I love America I, and I love spending time there whenever I get the chance to. Um, it's great. And, I think that the coaches over there, just just the people, their enthusiasm for things is is fantastic. I mean, you've only got to watch the crowds at certain sports games, yeah. American sports games. They love it. And whereas as British people, we're a little bit more more reserved. So to go over there for a few days and, and immerse yourself in that kind of American culture and and speak to people 
over there, I think it'll be gr- be great. I'm I'm pitching Beach Conference now. I hope I hope he gives me a bit of commission for this, but <laughs> it, it is great. And and I felt that you do learn more by spending time with some of those American coaches because how we are socially, just as British people, and how we're brought up. And I think we're a little bit more reserved. And and I've been to conferences here, and and you know you you meet people, you do talk to people. But I found that over there, in a, in amongst the American culture, where they're very enthusiastic and very good at what they do as well. Um, it was easier to get those conversations flowing. And, and you know what it's like sometimes at these conferences, the, 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 you, you learn a lot of knowledge and you, you pick up the most things sometimes just having a chat with people afterwards, you know, over, over a coffee or over a beer if it's a, the social event in the evening. And so over there, you'll, you'll pick up loads. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm buzzing for it even more now. Yeah. Um, so last but not least, where can people find out what you're doing? So social media, things like that. Yeah, um, well, I tweet. I'm trying not to tweet as much as what I've done previously because I find sometimes getting carried away on there. Yeah. Um, but it's just my name, Reese Carr 86. So R H Y S C A R R 86. Um, I'm always open to to emails coming through, you know, on on Twitter. And then if I if I want to give out my, you know, certain personal accounts, I'm usually more than happy to because I like to, you know, pick people's brains about things, um, whether they're working. You know, with the and the nines in the Bognor Regis League, they might have a good idea for something that you, you know you <laughs> could use. I don't think you should ever be dismissive of the level that someone that someone's working at because people have got good ideas, and as long as people have got a passion and a knowledge. So, if anybody is listening and want to share ideas, or if they want to get in touch and touch base on things, then then feel free. I'm more than happy to. Cool, appreciate that. Appreciate good stuff. No so, thank you very much. Uh, really appreciate your time, and I hope Port Vale do the. Do the job tonight for you? Yeah, fingers crossed. All right, pal. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Take care. See you, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Pacey Performance Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Reese. It was great to have him on, especially at a time when his his club are going through such a great period with winning the league. Um, and obviously the, the league has been won um, since, the, since the episode was recorded. So I'd just like to uh, remind you that you can sign up to the Pacey Performance newsletter over at paceyperformance.co.uk and all the links that I've mentioned in the intro with regards to discount codes from Rugby Strength Coach and Pro Sport Physiotherapy are on the show notes at paceyperformance.co.uk forward slash 34. So thanks for tuning in and I will see you in episode 35.